Okay, welcome to a very special story of... I have Trevor Hawkins here. He's a filmmaker, photographer. What what else? You do a bunch of stuff. Sometimes I still pretend like I can skateboard. Um, Sometimes I pretend like I can mountain bike. Sometimes I pretend like I can sail. (laughs) None of these really well. (laughs) So you're you're like an... Remember that game on PlayStation that was like ESPN... Oh yeah, where you could be any of the things. And yeah. they had like different colored grind rails and stuff. You could like skate BMX and all that, but it was yeah. like all Luge. unrealistic. Yeah. <laughs> Luge. It, yeah, it was like rollerblade skate. What Luge. is that game called? Oh man, I don't remember. I played it so much. It was one of like the first games. Yeah, it was insane. The the physics of it were awful. <laughs> <laughs> and a new dad, really. Yep, as of five months ago. So we're we're trying that out. How was the pandemic birth? Uh, it was fine. Uh, okay. What was actually... Oh, it's called Too Extreme, that game. Yep. Yep. Real cool name. Great game. Uh, it was fine. Uh, it was actually kind of nice because nobody could come visit. And at first we were kind of bummed, but then it was kind of sweet that we weren't bombarded by so many people right when we got our kid for the first time. So uh-huh. uh, we didn't totally mind. Uh, they made my wife wear a mask during the labor though. And at one point I just like ripped it off her face. So they didn't really care that much. Yeah. Yeah. I just think, yeah, that's, it's scary to think about anything different. Like in that sort of setting when it's, you know, like you said, you were at the mask off, like at that point, it's just like anything goes, you know? Sure. And it was gnarly to begin with because the way he was born was not, the most rad situation so uh he got stuck in the birth canal and so my wife was pushing and pushing and pushing and then uh all of a sudden this just like bucket of blood like a quentin tarantino movie just sprayed out from around my son's head and just doused the delivery doctor from like neck to knees like a quentin tarantino movie and i just was like I don't think that part's normal. <laughs> and that's the first time I realized something was wrong. And so essentially he got stuck in the birth canal and they had to like cut him out emergency. They pulled him out. He was like a lifeless white ET, oh like just not moving. And I don't know if you know what the APGAR scale is, but I learned what it was in real time in that moment. But it's like uh, zero's dead and 10 is fully alive and healthy. And he came out like a two just like white and lifeless. And then the whole, like all this team of professionals just bombarded the room and brought him back to life. And I was looking at my wife and I was like, Oh no, she's bleeding out. And my son was born dead. Like what's going on. So that was a pretty rad moment. That's awful. <laughs> and like, you can't, nobody else is there and you can't ask questions, you know, cause they're all working on stuff. Yeah. So I'm just like standing by the bed, like trying to act like I got my shit together. That's surreal, man. Did you, like pass out <laughs> no i never felt like i was gonna pass out What's good. um but yeah it was just i'm not really looking forward to the next one i guess you know <laughs> not not very that, that is a reason why people like have one because they're like i'm not going to that again like we were so lucky in ours ours was really everything went great and uh for me you know because i didn't have to do anything but the nurse kept asking me if i was going to pass out I was like, no, I'm fine. Do <laughs> you, you want me to? Yeah, I was like, I just look like this. I just look sad and tired. <laughs> well, I'm glad everything's okay. So five months in the pandemic with a baby. I mean, 
when they're five months, you it might actually be kind of nice to be in a pandemic in a little bit. Oh, it's perfect timing. He came at the perfect time because we live at the lake. And so we were really worried about losing a summer to have like to an infant. But he's going to be I mean, it's almost summer now and he's going to be right at the age where he can go swimming in the lake and stuff. And so uh, have, we're really worried about missing out with our friends, too. And sure enough, it happened during the pandemic. So we were talking about like he really came at the perfect time. But do your friends have kids? Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, about half of them. We have this. We have okay. a crew out at Lottawana that doesn't have kids, uh, and then somehow this fall, there's like five couples. Every single one of them is going to be trying for kids in the fall, including us. We're going to go for number two. Oh, good, good. Breaking news. Yeah, <laughs> breaking news. Everyone cares so much. <laughs> no. Well, hey, I'm so glad that. You're here, and this is great catching up with you, but I got to ask a... I'm sponsored by Random Question Generator. <laughs> I got to ask a question. RandomQuestionGenerator.com. Do you feel like you need to fill time? So we have the questions. Okay. <laughs> What'd you say that domain name was again? It's RandomQuestionGenerator.com. <laughs> okay, cool. Don't look, don't look it up. It's fine. <laughs> No, I th- like, yeah, we discussed abortion in like four out of the six episodes where they've been sponsoring. So <laughs> I don't think anybody's listening. This is actually a weird one. And they don't, they're not usually funny like this, but this is a pretty good one for you. Uh, what do you get every time you go grocery shopping? Uh, milk, like three to four gallons of milk. Three to four gallons? Yeah, and I'm down because when I was younger, I used to go through, actually for a good part of my life, ever since I moved out and even like high school, I was going through like nearly a gallon of milk a day. And uh, a lot. <laughs> yeah, I'd go to the store and every week I'd buy seven gallons of milk and this checkout clerk would be like, what's with all the milk? <laughs> to drink? I don't know. I just like milk. So yeah, I always buy milk. Cause, but now I'm down to like gallon three or four gallons at a time and that will usually last me and my wife like a week and a half so don't bring her. your wife into this if you drink this <laughs> don't blame her like, yeah we, put, we all drink it we all the baby's drinking milk i'm drinking milk. like that's a lot i just of usually milk. drink her breast milk now <laughs> have you tried it yeah it's not i was really looking forward to it but it wasn't as rad as i hoped <laughs> yeah my my wife didn't breastfeed, but I was think I was like I would try it. I, I don't doesn't bother me at all. But I did see a bunch of weightlifters on a show, mm-hmm. and they would find somebody online who was breastfeeding, and they go get breast milk because it makes they think it makes them stronger. <laughs> so they would like meet at Arby's, and they'd be like, "Hey, you got the uh, <laughs> breast milk? You got the shit? <laughs> you got the fresh Connie?" <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's a lot of milk. I don't really. I think you should. Did you have any, have you had any health health issues? From oh it? yeah, I have like extremely high cholesterol. It's hereditary, and so that's one of the reasons I had to cut back. Dairy is like, I mean, we have a whole the whole middle shelf of our drawer in our fridge is devoted to dairy, and so I'm supposed to be cutting back uh, because I have crazy high cholesterol. Like, do you know how the cholesterol scale works at all? Like, uh, 150 is normal. 200s high like you want to start watching it 250s dangerous well if i'm unmedicated i'm at like 475 and i have been pretty much my whole life so i'm learning a lot about scales with you (laughs) (laughs) second that's a new scale this is hereditary yeah 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 uh 
all the males in my family have it. I, I'm the I'm the first male in several generations. So my dad had his first heart attack at 31. I'm almost 35. He died at 43. His dad died in his young 40s. And I my goal is to be the first one in a long lineage to make it to 50. Yeah, I'm I'm gonna pull for you, but also. <laughs> Maybe stop drinking milk. <laughs> Does it have to be like dairy milk? Uh, well, I've tried all the other bullshit milk, but it's yeah. uh, it's no oh, fun. Oh, bulls have milk? I think that's not milk. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so here's all the medical stories of Trevor Hawkins. I hope everyone really cares. <laughs> um, no, we talk about medical stuff all the time. Well, that's a lot of milk. That's so funny. Because mm-hmm. we went through it. Well, okay, you're you're a you do a lot of wildlife stuff, right? Like photography. Yeah, I, I love to. I don't get paid to do it as much as I'd like. Oh, I have a bird story for you. This Ooh. is so funny because one thing I know about Trevor is we work together on a shoot, and that's pretty much all. I, mean, I follow you on Instagram and stuff, and I always love love your stuff you post, your films and shoots and everything. Thanks, man. And, but we bonded over birds, and I I had a crazy night last night. There was a a crazy sound like 3 a.m. And it was like, I can't remember exactly how it went, but in the moment I remembered, I'm not going to do it here, but it was an owl. It was a type of owl. And I was like, <laughs> it was, it was, that's close. It was, I'll put a sound effect in. It was like, I can't even do it. It was a, a barred owl. A barred owl? Yeah. yeah. That that was the first one I did. The second one, like the, <laughs> the great horned owl is probably something more like. <laughs> That's a, that, I thought it was a great horned owl because they're more common, I think. <laughs> that's a screech owl. <laughs> so that's, I, that's funny you're doing this because. And then there was like, do you do animals? Do you do rodents? Because there was. Rodents? <laughs> there was some. Like, you got a good mouse. <laughs> no, I, I, it was, there was some sort of. No, it was like, it almost sounded like, I thought it was like a puppy coyote. But I looked it up and it was a, it's a sound raccoons make. Oh, okay, cool. And so it got a raccoon. It's kind of like a little squirrely purr giggle thing. It was like, um, I don't, I don't want to do the thing cause I'll be wrong, but it was just like, yep, yep. <laughs> <laughs> Nailed it. <laughs> But, I, but it's funny because it happened. At, I was like, what is that? And I was, I was about to go outside, but then I, you could hear it like flap and pick it up and everything. And then for 30 minutes, I listened to sounds of North American animals to try to find it. And they were both in there. But it was like 30 minutes of listening to all these different noises. And you know what was nice. the cutest one was? Oh, shit. I can't remember. Terrible story. But there was one animal that's just like the most adorable voice. It was like, no, <laughs> Anyways, that's my bird story. Oh, that's, I liked it. Okay, we're going to get to our subject tonight, um, which Trevor has a film coming out called Ladawana. And it was on, I, I saw that you posted a Screen Rant article because it's the first NTF film, or the first film. I don't know how you say it. How do you even say it? It's so new. NFT. NFT, fuck. Okay. But do you say NFT? You say film. I think so. So I've known about NFTs for a whole week and a half now. So I feel like I'm kind of an expert. (laughs) (laughs) We've been talking about it nonstop in text groups. Really? 
Yeah, like we just they're all, I'm in the text group with like my friends are techie guys and they're just they can't stop talking about they won't shut up is what I'm trying to say. No, no, we keep talking about like is it like Bitcoin? You know, when that came out, everyone made fun of it, but now it's like a real viable thing. And then mm-hmm. someone today <laughs> someone today bought a house. Yep. Someone listed it. Yeah. So what's I can I can kind of give the quick and dirty of the NFT world as I've learned it in the last week and a half. Well, I would love to, but we gotta ask one more question real quick. Because <laughs> it's like it's been 13 minutes. I gotta win. <laughs> get this one. So, get this one. <laughs> Do you <laughs> want to ruin your friendships? Random questionnaire.com. Uh this is actually a kind of a trippy one. Do you think how much milk is too much milk? No, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> this one is a. Uh, would you be able to tell if time had been altered in some way? My own time. I think so. They don't really give you much. Much to go off of there. I don't know. I mean, time's relative to everything. Like if you're moving near the speed of light, time slows down. So your time is technically different than my time. So. I don't know if I would be able to notice times different. It's like the inception thing, how like he came back and he was much younger than his kid at that point. Yeah. Yeah. Wait, he that was, uh, that was, a. Uh, oh, interstellar. interstellar. Nice. Yeah. yeah. But inception, you. they messed with time too. But, uh, did you see the new, did you see tenant? I did. What'd you think about tenant? I hated it. Really? Okay. Did you go in with high expectations? I did because I like almost all of his other movies. Uh-huh. And Tenet, I was by the end of it, I was like rolling my eyes. It just felt like a mess. Yeah. Well, I just didn't like. It all made sense to me, but it just was like, there's. It doesn't make sense. Like you just got to let it go. Like it. You know, I saw a lot of people like saying like I'm confused. Where I'm like, there's nothing to be confused about. It's like a bad. It's it was like an okay Bond movie. Yeah. Like, it 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 hurt. It hurt that the like the actual premise didn't make sense. Like I like that with Inception. Okay, I get like the dream within a dream within a dream. At least that's uh-huh. a logical fictional thing you can follow. Like the premise of like the two thing. Like I don't even think that's. I don't know. Like the whole premise was just sort of a reach, a stretch to begin with. I felt like. I mean, enough so that I didn't enjoy it. Uh, his, yeah, whatever. I don't need to go on bash. No, that no, that's okay. But. No, we had we had a big discussion about this. That I I like lowered my expectations, and I just like I had a fun time. Well, I love like um I love John David Washington. I talked about the scene in the kitchen a bunch, but I love that scene where he walks through the kitchen and he's just mad and he beats everybody up. <laughs> and he walked. I was like, I just love that scene. What's your favorite movie? Oh shit. Okay, this is really tough. Favorite, like, most well-made movie or favorite just fun movie or... Your favorite movie to watch. What kind of depends? No, my my favorite movie is American Movie. Oh, yes. (laughs) That's my all-time favorite. (laughs) uh, Mike Winch. What's that guy's name? Uh, Uh, Mark... Borchardt and Mike Shank. <laughs> Mike Shank, he's so good. That's my favorite all time. <laughs> That's a good, good movie. But I just watched uh, Road to Perdition today. That's pretty. That's pretty high up there. That's pretty I'm good. Look, I've never seen that. I'm gonna look that up. Sam Mendes. 
Every scene is important. They don't waste any time. Sure, sure. What's your favorite movie? Uh, Tree of Life. Okay, I, that's a good one. That's a good answer, especially for a cinematographer. Thank you. I, uh, yeah, I know it's it's. I'm not saying that just to be pretentious. It's like the first time I watched it was like kind of right at that pivotal moment in my career where I think I was really impressionable and I was I forget, it's like mm-hmm. 2001 or something that it came out and I watched it. And I was just blown away, glued to my seat, like watching every frame of that movie. And then when it was over, I just sat in the dark for like half an hour in my house, just like digesting what I just like experienced and lived through. And like, I've never had an experience like that with any other movie. And uh, for those who don't know what Tree of Life is, it's a Terrence Malick movie that's two and a half hours long. and There's really no story. Um, There's not a ton of talking it's kind of just an experience that you just get thrown into and it's about life. It's about the smallest moments in the world. It's about the, the formulation of the universe. It's about everything. You just kind of get thrown into existence and just let it take you somewhere. And it blew my socks off. Yeah, that's yeah. And and like you were saying, it was kind of a time when you were not impressionable, but coming into your own or whatever with, were you work? So were you working then and starting yeah, to practice? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I just wasn't as, uh, yeah. And that was kind of more when it was like videographer ish level. Uh-huh. Not like you can totally, like, I mean, they're the same skill set. It's just kind of a different outlook on stuff. What do you think is the most funny scene of all time in any movie? Okay. I know this one because, and, but like you're saying, it, everything's context. So I was in Florida and I was watching, I, I skipped work. I was in Boca Raton, which is like a really, I've um, been there. okay. They got the sea turtles there. Yeah, they do. Yeah. So they, it's also like the richest city per capita or something like that. And so I skipped work and I went to the Sea Heartbreak Kid because Ben Stiller was in it. And I love Ben Stiller and this like kind of Jewish theater area. And it was all old ladies and me. And uh, they did not think the movie was funny at all. And there's a scene where Ben Stiller's wife now goes to the bathroom and there's all these fart noises. They just got married. You know, they're just getting used to each other. There's a bunch of fart noises. And she goes, did you hear that? And Ben Stiller goes, "Uh, no. And she goes, good. Because I just queefed really hard. (laughs) I couldn't control myself. And I was laughing so hard. Everyone was just annoyed with me. And like nobody thought it was funny. So that is my favorite, but only because I was in the theater. Yeah, and you were with a bunch of people that hated it. It's just like old ladies, just they were. I don't know if they hated it, but it's they did not laugh at all. It was a dirty, dirty. Line. But what's your what's your favorite or your the funniest scene? Uh, in Ace Ventura Two, when Jim Carrey comes out of the rhino. <laughs> that's my that's my little sister's favorite scene of all time too. <laughs> I think it's probably yeah. I think it's my favorite scene. But he set it up so great. Yeah, it's kind of hot in these rhinos. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he got stripped down, he starts sweating, and then yeah. yeah. I mean, it's just a great scene. That is a really good one. Okay, so I mean, you were inspired by Ace Ventura 2 mm-hmm. and Tree of Life. That's a very weird... <laughs> yeah, two of my favorite movies. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know who I am. <laughs> okay, we're just about to talk about your film and was it NFT? Which one is it? N- NFTs. NFTs, okay. But first, 
That word from our sponsor. <laughs> a word from our sponsor. Oh man, I, I skipped one by accident. It was really good. They'll be pissed. Okay, well that's okay. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. When if they ever listen to him. So here's a good one. What's the best bad decision you've made besides the milk? Hmm. Maybe become a filmmaker that's kind of a bad decision it's a fight your whole damn life it's like a hustle well how did you start how'd you start out where'd you go to school how'd you get started i just started when i was in high school i just started filming my friends skateboarding and wakeboarding and then uh i was really inspired by the videos that those professional skateboarders and wakeboarders were making and then uh yeah and like the jackass and all that like we would do all that stuff and that's just kind of how I started and I got really into the filmmaking side of it. And then in high school, my buddy Brian Freeborn, I was at his house. And in like one week, he showed me A Clockwork Orange, Donnie Darko, and Requiem for a Dream. <laughs> and it just like blew my mind. And I was like, movies can do this? Like, And so that just changed my course. And ever since then, it's been a freaking hustle and a fight. But I don't know. It's worth it. It's a bad decision, but it's worth it, I guess. Well, <laughs> like. I- I think you're doing well now. Oh, thanks, man. I mean, I'm sure it takes a long time, you know, to get going, but. Yeah. And that's the thing is like, no matter what level you're at as an artist, or I guess as a filmmaker is you're never totally happy because like, even like, like most of Hollywood's famous directors, aside from like the top, like, I don't know, the top 10 most famous names you can think of, like most everybody really struggles to get films off the ground like even super famous people like if they Mm -hmm. got a passion project they want to do um they still struggle and it's like golly if those guys still struggle then like like maybe i don't feel so bad about struggling here but you always look to that next tier and you're always like man why aren't i there yet like i'd really love to be doing this type of movie or this whatever blah 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 so i am one of the luckiest people on the planet so i can't complain i get to be a cinematographer and I get to be a director, even if it's for commercials most of the time to make a living. But, uh, yeah, I don't take advantage of it because I know there's a lot of folks that would be stoked to be doing what I'm doing. Yeah. And that's true about like, there's only so many films that come out a year in the big, in the theaters, you know, mm-hmm. and bat, if Batman didn't exist, we wouldn't have Tim Burton. Cause he did, he had like the first Batman movie. They're like, do whatever you want, Tim Burton. So like he, he got to do like all this other stuff. And same with Christopher Nolan, like we were just talking about. He made so much money on Batman. They were like, okay, do your indie stuff. Mm-hmm. When did you work on Latawana? So we actually just finished the edit the middle toward the end of last year. Okay. We shot it all the way back in 2015 though. And then it was the first feature film, the first movie I'd ever made. So it was essentially my film school. Like I'd been, I'd filmed been filming for a long time before that but like i never tried to do a narrative like a story that takes place over such a long time and i remember after we shot it and i put the first like rough assembly together it was like four hours long (laughs) and i was like there's no way so now it's 90 minutes but then we got the movie down to two hours and then that was still Mm -hmm. too long and then we really spent some time finessing it in the last year or so and uh now it's down to 90 minutes and now the world, now it's ready for the world to see it. Who'd you, go ahead. who'd you work with? Did you edit it yourself or do you have an mm-hmm. editor to help? So I, or? I wrote, directed, 
shot, edited, and colored the movie. And that's not totally by choice. That's just because, I mean, I paid for the movie myself. I did. I had to get a – I mortgaged my house. I got a loan against my house to pay for it. So I couldn't afford like, oh, I'm going to call up Roger Deakins, the most famous cinematographer all the time that I love him. Like I right. can't call up folks like that. And so I was like, well, I can shoot. So I'm just going to like do it myself, I guess. I can edit. I can do it myself, I guess. I'd rather just do it myself than pay some – I don't know, local guy or something that maybe I'm not super stoked about. I don't know. Maybe there's guys in town that I'd be stoked about, but I'd just probably be like, move. <laughs> <laughs> but I made, I've made so many mistakes along the way. Like a lot of one is I'm really proud of it. And I, it's not the greatest movie of all time, but there's definitely movies that come out every year that I think that are worse than a wanna. <laughs> so, uh, take that for what it's worth. I mean, I'm proud of it. It's definitely a first movie. Like I would uh-huh. do things so different now, like in hindsight and I've finished, uh, that was my first script too. I just Googled how to write a script and then gave it a shot and then went and shot it. Uh, and I've written three scripts since then. So I just finished my fourth script. And now that I've written four movie scripts, I look back at the script of Lottawana and I'm like, oh my God, this is yeah. the worst thing in the world. How did I ever even think that like, oh, this is great. Let's go shoot this. Like, like I have, I have parts of the script <laughs> in Lottawana where it just says like, like summer montage figured out in editing. <laughs> I'm like what? So I just go shoot a bunch of random shit and like think that that was how you made a movie, which you can do a movie however you want. And, I gave me a lot of nightmares in post when I was trying to make sense of everything, but I don't know. Yeah. You live, you live and you learn. I'm not yeah. doing that anymore. I think it's great. And I think it's funny that you talk about the script now. Cause you're like, when you first write a script, you're like, Oh my God, this is the best shit. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to mortgage my house for this. This is the <laughs> yeah, one. Exactly. And then you read it like six months later and you're like, Oh my God, <laughs> <laughs> this is awful. Summer montage. Yeah, just like that's it. That's the idea for that like twenty minute section of the movie. Did you shoot it? Have you been shooting this whole time, or you just shoot it in twenty fifteen? No, we shot it all in twenty fifteen. Oh yeah. Oh, where did you get your actors and stuff? So uh, I wrote it. I've got a couple buddies of mine that I kind of wrote it for, um, and. Todd Bluebaugh, he's the lead actor in it. He's a buddy of mine and he just has a great look. And so I kind of talked him into doing it. He uh-huh. wasn't super stoked about it, but I made him. And then uh, we actually hired a local actress to play the lead. And we started shooting with her in winter. And then she dropped out in the hiatus between, like, she stopped acting altogether in the hiatus between the winter and the summer scenes. That was the most important part, was the summer, because you got to think it's montage. Yeah, yeah. And so we were, and this was like the the week before production. My wife and I were on a honeymoon and we got an email from her saying that she dropped out and we're getting ready to start the whole like month long bulk of the movie summer shoot. And uh, we just look at each other and I was like, well, I guess we're going home, huh? Like, <laughs> and we we're both like so pissed because we left, I think it was like a day or two early. We left early from our honeymoon and then we went crazy, just like uh, casting calls all over the place trying to find uh-huh. a replacement. We found a girl from Chicago, flew her in, and then that didn't really work out. That's kind of a ugly story that we don't need to get into. But her mom thought her mom was a real estate agent and thought she was fit to be an entertainment lawyer. So she just came into town and was like pushing us all over. And like it was just a toxic thing. So we made the decision to just cancel the summer shoot until we found someone who'd work. And then we were all just 
reaching out across the entire country, finding, trying to find a replacement. And then Todd was on his Instagram, just looking through, uh, girls he knew and then was like what about her she's cute and so we're like yeah send her a message whatever tell her to send an audition so he just blindly reached out to nicola which who ended up playing the lead actress and now they're married in real life so uh <laughs> she came to the movie set had never acted before but her audition was great she's a model and a dancer uh-huh. and so she did the whole movie and in real time during the movie like they're falling in love for real on scene or on screen as they are in real life and now they're married so it's kind of crazy so this is like this is pretty look i know what you're doing here this is studio where they make the two people fall in love i've seen mommy dearest okay i've seen how the studios work (laughs) no i'm just kidding uh that's awesome man and what what made you stick with it because a lot of people would have given up oh yeah it was awful like it, it there was like major lows like at one point so during the production of the movie i'd kind of like turn my back on the commercial world because i was so focused on what i was doing and i was yeah. just like hemorrhaging money every time i turned around and then like whenever the production of the movie was over i'm like oh i got it in the can this is the greatest feeling in the world and then i just turned around and like i had no commercial work and i had <laughs> all this money to pay off and at one point i remember i've never even really told anyone this publicly but there was like one point where I think my wife and I, we had like our last, like it might've been like $200 in cash, like in our hands, like no money in the bank account. And we're like in our house with like bills to pay and stuff. And we had like $200 cash. And we're like, this is all the money that we have left. <laughs> and then luckily, like I just, you know, had to get back to the grind and start hustling again to try to drum up some commercial work. And yeah, luckily stuff came and we just kind of like rode out. That that hard time ended up lasting for a while. Uh, mm. I think we had like a hard couple of years, like rebounding after that. Uh, but that wasn't only because of the movie. There's a few other things in my life that kind of all transpired at once. But now I'm in a much better place. I'm um like ever since you and I worked together, we've I've just that I've been great. Like I've been lucky enough to make enough money to survive. Got the movie paid off, and yeah. now I'm just trying to get the movie out into the world. That's awesome. I, you know, a lot of people say that when they work with me, they're like, "Ever since I worked with you, <laughs> my life really turned around." <laughs> Things have turned around. No, that's so that, that that's so like so thrilling though. Not, I know it's not fun or whatever, but that is part of the thrill. Is just like going all in and not giving up, and that alone is like why I love independent films and all that. Because like just the things people sacrifice to make them, and the guts. I mean, just like. It's so scary to go out. Usually, usually it's like so you get rich people every now and then, like Freddie Prince Jr. or whatever. <laughs> I don't know any rich people, <laughs> but <laughs> that's awesome. So, how do you feel? I mean, so, oh, okay. I guess, I mean, I really don't want to ask a random question right now because I'm really into this, <laughs> but it's it kill my whole shtick. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> worth it. <laughs> I guess I'm going to ask this real quick. It's a very stupid one too. I'm going to ask it real quick and then we get back to the actual subject. But, uh, all right. If you die and find out that everyone gets to choose a 12 foot by 12 foot square to stay in alone for eternity without being able to influence or contact the living world, what 12 by 12 foot square would you choose? Oh, wow. Anywhere on the planet, I guess? I think, yeah. I think that's a long way of saying, 
you're alone in 12 by 12 and you can't talk to anybody or you're totally eat like how do you get like uh, i think you can eat i'll just say uh i don't know is it boring to say like well i don't want to that's where i'm gonna live i lived here my whole life and i will live here my whole life so i guess i just have to choose this by default even if that's boring no no that's so like 12 by 12 foot though you have to like be half in the water on the beach it's like really small oh yeah it is small because it's cold here too so we maybe i would choose like so we have a deck on the outside of our house okay. so maybe i'll choose like six foot on the deck and then six foot in the house smart. so i kind of have that inside outside i can yeah yeah that's smart thanks man uh i would do golden corral okay <laughs> next <laughs> Duh. <laughs> so, me, so the film is finished and you're the only financer, right? I mean, uh-huh. you and your wife, but, mm-hmm. uh, so it's done. You paid it off. And then what made you decide to go? Uh, can't, NFT. NFT. Yeah. Oh, so, can you NFT since you know. Yeah, it? sure. Okay. So the quick and dirty of the NFT world that I've learned since the week and a half ago now, is are you familiar with that movie Ready Player One? Yeah. So it's kind of like this concept. Am I? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> it's sort of like to anyone who isn't, it's this concept where these people live in this like virtual reality world that's better than the real world they live in. They like live in like shitty houses and trailer parks and blah, 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 whatever. But in this virtual reality, they can be whatever they want. And mm-hmm. so that's already kind of existing in our real world now, weirdly enough. And so... I think NFTs kind of started in that space. I could be wrong, but this is what I've I've learned is they started in that space. And so people kind of started trading like virtual, virtual reality, like, like things, weapons and spaces and all this stuff. So people are like for real money, they're buying digital real estate in like a virtual frontier that only exists like in virtual space. And so what happened was, as it sort of evolved into purchasing original art and stuff, because forever, like say if you made a cat meme, that cat meme can sure, be, yeah, yeah. yeah, that cat meme can be spread around the internet and reproduced a million times. And there's technically like no original or no way to verify an original, but the way the blockchain works. So I've learned is that the blockchain just exists as one thing. Like there's only one blockchain and it exists in multiple different places all around the world on different computers. So if you try to alter the blockchain, there's other computers that can cross reference it and let you know that that's not the original blockchain. So for the first time in the world, there's a way to have like one official digital information system that's original. So what that means is like, if I create a cat meme or take a photo or, or create any art in the digital space, and then I upload that to the blockchain forever and ever, people will all, anyone can trace back to the original artwork. So if I'm an artist now, just like Picasso could paint a painting and like he could hand that painting around and it's just Mm -hmm. this physical entity that there's no arguing that this is the real painting. Now you can do that with digital art. And so that sort of opened up this whole world where like art collectors and people that wanted bragging rights or for whatever reason you want to own the original of something in the digital world, 
now these things are starting to have value because it's uh, like verifiable. So it's kind of blown up and NFT stands for non fungible token, which this is the dorky bit. This is like the nerdy bit. That's not very exciting. But what that means is fungible means you can replace something with something else. That's the exact same value. So you have a $5 bill. I have a $5 bill. We can swap them. They're the exact same thing. Non fungible means they're entities that do not have a certain value. So like I'm going to paint a picture of a palm tree and you're going to like sculpt a cat or something. And then Obviously, we think they have different values. You know, they don't they don't have a set value, but that's what non-fungible means. So when you turn an original piece of artwork into a currency, that's a non-fungible token, which is just okay. the word that they use for the piece. So it's kind of all make-believe. It's kind of all pretend. Uh, but in this digital space where people care about authenticity, people are buying like these nfts it's like the original artwork of something someone made and hanging it within these digital spaces and and stuff so because there's this like massive flood to this new frontier of digital art that's why these prices have skyrocketed that's why like there's so much value like oh oh my gosh like elon musk just put his first thing as an nft that's going to be worth so much money one day so people are just like going nuts over this stuff yeah and so first film right so I, these things have been going on for a while and I'd never even heard of them. But then like a week and a half ago, um, I was talking to my wife and we were trying to think of ways, brainstorming ways to get Lotta One out into the world as far as distri- distribution goes. And she's like, what if we thought of something like super far out that's just like not normal? My brother, Tucker, who's one of my best friends and he was on Lotta One, he was on the crew, um, he's more in that space. And he told my wife that she should sell her new album that she's working on, on the NFT space, just like Elon Musk's wife Grimes did and Kings of Leon and other bands and stuff are now releasing their music only on NFTs. And so NFTs are sort of like selling for millions of dollars and freak accident ways and stuff. Um, there's just this whole new frontier that's complete. There's, there's no real like rules. You can do whatever you want with it. Like, it's just this whole new space that nobody knows what to do with, except for we know that there's a lot of hype going on right now. And we're just one indie film and like a legion of indie films that get released every year. And so we're just trying to figure out a way to separate ourselves. And so I spent like a hellish week of my life, just like diving deep into what this NFT space was and it was miserable and I hated every second of it. And then, but I essentially tried to, I learned what it was and then Tucker helped me kind of figure out how to get, like blockchain account setup, which is just like a digital wallet where you put like normal money into the wallet, but then you transfer it to blockchain money, which is called Ethereum and Bitcoin and all these things. And that's how you purchase NFTs. So it's just like this really clunky process. It's not easy. And I didn't know what any of these words meant. And so we finally got some stuff listed. And then uh, within a few hours, like a couple of the shares were sold and we we're like, holy shit. Like, we just listed the movie for sale as on the blockchain as an NFT. And we became the first movie somehow in the history of all movies and all NFTs to sell on the blockchain. And so we're going to premiere the movie there as well. And screen rant picked up our story and it's, everything's been moving kind of fast since then. So, um, we're taking it a day at a time and now the I've reached my climax. I'm on your podcast, so I don't really know where to go from here. (laughs) This is the end. 
This is I'm it. here. Live it up, man. This is it. So I have so many questions about this. Uh, like, but to just, just to be clear, people who are listening, nobody's listening, but uh, <laughs> I mean, you know, enough. But the so like, it's not one item that you're selling. Like, you're not selling one copy of the movie. You can sell multiple copies. Sure. So what we're doing on this new frontier, we're also sort of reinventing it because the whole idea of an NFT is that it's like kind of one thing, like you have one piece of art. So I'm going to sell the NFT to this art, but it's weird because you don't even get the rights to the art, which is weird. Like I don't, that's why I said it's kind of all pretend because like you still own the, like the artist still owns the art, but like the, the NFT is literally just a chunk of code that exists on the blockchain that verifies that it's the actual artists. So that's all you really buy when you buy an NFT. And so what we did was different. We actually listed the movie for sale as NFTs, but when you buy an NFT, you also get a share of the movie. So, Oh, cool. The counterintuitive thing here is whenever you buy an NFT, you get a small percentage of the movie along with that and you'll get like a digital copy and blah, blah, blah. But that's not really like the reality for our indie film, Lottawana is that not, it's not going to go out and play in every theater across America right. and make tons and tons of money. So the, I, the counterintuitive thing is that the NFT is the valuable bit. Like the, the, the fact that you own an NFT to the first movie ever as an NFT, that will be worth more than the actual percentage of our indie film. So it, it like whenever we say we we're selling our movie online, it, if you, you need like this, this 10 minute preamble I just gave you, you need right. that to yeah. like understand what the hell's going on. Like, and you don't just like, you can't just explain that to every person you meet. So it's just this whole new frontier. And if you're in the world, you get it, you understand its significance, but like, Hollywood and the whole film industry, they're not even here yet, man. Like the music industry and the digital art industry is getting flipped upside down and the Hollywood doesn't even know what's going on. And so we're kind of like in this middle zone where like, like Screen Rant thought it was cool enough to pick up. Um, Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. But I think most of the industry, they they couldn't even tell you the NFTs are even a thing. So I think my personal opinion is that this NFT space is around to stay now just sort of like the blockchain and Bitcoin and all that. I do think that everything's being sold for like hyperinflated prices right now because it's all so new and people are just, everyone's jumping in. Like there's this mm-hmm. artist, this digital artist that I'm sure everyone's heard about or lots of people have heard about by now that's been selling his original art for like $70 million and just insane things. He just mm-hmm. happened to be like kind of one of the pioneers of it and his art's cool, but like, by no means the most valuable art of like everybody else selling NFTs. He just happened to be the guy that is doing it. And so we just jumped in head first. Like, let's not, let's be the first movie and just see what happens. No, I uh, think ma- it's smart. I think it's really smart. Oh, uh, well I appreciate that, but uh, follow up with us in like <laughs> a year and see where we're at. With it. <laughs> we'll see what happens. Uh, no, that that's, but you know, that is that is art though. That's the thing that people don't get. Picasso, yeah, we all think he's great or whatever. We use him as an example. But, you know, we were at we were shooting at um the Kansas African American Museum in Wichita. Or Wichita again. We're there a lot. Yeah. And we were interviewing somebody and she brought up a really good point. She was like, uh, you know, 
back when art started selling for a lot of money and stuff, they were like, it was just a, it was really just a handful of people in a room deciding that it was, it was worth a lot of money. And, you know, it was just like a bidding war on the, on the first Picasso that came out. There's a million great artists. And she was saying like, that's, you know, that's why you don't see a lot of black art or a lot of black arts, not like auctioned on just because, just because at the time when art was becoming popular, you know, they weren't in the room at the time. Sure. Like the, like you said, that artist guy, like he just was, had the right idea in the right place. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know why I brought race into it, but I, I just, that really, <laughs> stuck, that really stuck with me. That thing about Picasso, it's like a handful of people decided he was the one because he wasn't big in his time, you know? And like even his little scribbles, which aren't great, go for millions and millions. Why? Because the first painting went for millions. It's just like, mm -hmm. it's value begets value. I mean, it's just like, so being the first in there or being, I don't know. I'm excited to see where it all goes. I, I think it's exciting. It does, money's fake in a way anyways. <laughs> oh, it is. When you, you nailed it on the head when you said money, would you say money or value begets value? Because like, it's all pretend like NFTs are pretend like, there's like you can't eat an nft you can't build a house with an nft it's just like money it, the only reason that it has value is because we all agree it has value it's it's pretend except for it does solve the problem of you not getting your art ripped off or like you know you're getting right your, right right i mean it's really cool for for authors and for now it's of course everyone's gonna read the stories about the basketball you know, slam dunk gifs or whatever. I don't know what's going on, but that's the time of my text group. But like, you know, they sell gifs for like, you know, a lot of money and all that. Mm -hmm. but, but really, if you're the artist, if you're a band, it's a cool way to keep track or keep at least, you know, keep your relationship with your, the, your fans real. I mean. Absolutely. So we're, you caught us kind of like right in this in-between time where, we have um, officially become the first NFT movie and uh, Screen Rant kind of broke the story to Hollywood, but uh, everyone in Hollywood doesn't really know how to buy these things. And so we're sort of in this process right now where we're going to start putting my team and I are going to put all of our energy into reaching out to sort of like the business and the finance and the tech and the crypto and the NFT spaces, like, like we're all the, the nerds are, you know, that uh -huh. actually know what all this stuff is like, and then we're going to we're going to try to make a case study. This is the cool part that I'm really stoked about. We're going to try to make a case study out of ourselves that if we can like kind of uh, show that we have value in that space to the people that know how to navigate this space and can see the value in these things. If we can create a case study out of ourselves that we can actually sell a movie this way yeah. and turn a profit on an indie film, which turning a profit on any indie film is like a, it's a million to one. Like it's just it never happens. And, uh, if we can make a profit and then turn around and then make another movie, fund our next movie off of the profits of this, and then also use NFT because you can sell NFTs off of, you can make, you can make an NFT out of anything. Like you're saying, some guy would put his house on it. Like you can literally do anything. And if we can raise funds for our next film by creating a set of like special edition NFTs or something, mm -hmm. uh, then we'll be the first one of all time to do kind of full circle like that. And we'll literally change the paradigm for all of Hollywood and indie filmmaking in that go. So 
uh, that's our goal right now. Um, the whole thing is just trying to get to the next movie. Um, but yeah, well, I mean, it could just be a bunch of bollocks. Could be awful. We'll see. Well, I think it's, I think it's great, for, especially for films, because yeah, like the indie, like when when Netflix was going and Amazon Prime and all those things, you're like, oh, there's gonna be places for indie places to release movies and stuff. But then all the big directors and big producers and big companies just started putting out their shit on there. It's like, oh. yeah. I mean, Amazon Prime, I will say, is the best with the indie, like, film distribution. Like, uh, you heard of Bad Ben? Uh-uh. <laughs> okay. It's not good. Is but a movie? He just does it himself. It, 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 it's, it's like a guy who makes paranormal activity, but just in his house by himself. <laughs> it's not good. Don't look it up. You're looking it up. It's not worth your time. I'm looking it up right now. <laughs> He's my hero. He's my hero. Okay, I'm gonna keep this window up so I remember to look at it after this podcast. But it looks pretty rad so far. <laughs> There's a lot of them. He did an animated one. I was gonna um, interview him one time, but uh, we had He's a podcast. Get a hold of. Everybody made fun of him on the podcast. I think he might have heard it because he didn't write me back. But anyways, I didn't. I thought he was great. I want to ask you. Did you have a little more time? I have Yeah, I, I'm just doing nothing until I go to bed tonight. So I oh, got yeah. all the time in the world. I got a few more questions before you got to go get your next gallon in you. <laughs> okay. But first, randomquestiongenerator.com. Thank you so much, randomquestiongenerator. <laughs> blah, blah. So you're giving us all this great information and everything. But here's a question for you What's your favorite sounding word? <laughs> sounding word. Uh, lugubrious is pretty cool. Whoa, um, I didn't know that one. Uh, in Sh- in Shaun of the Dead, or no, The World's End. Uh huh. I really like. You like that movie? At World's or, End, yeah. Uh, they say enabler. They're like, that's a funny word, enabler. <laughs> like, oh yeah, I guess any word can be funny if you say it that way. <laughs> What's your favorite sounding word? Well. I'll, I gotta think about it, but I do remember my principal in like third grade. He was giving a speech, you know, or not giving a speech. He was talking to the auditorium. And he, he happened to say the word swan and he stopped and he goes, Swan, isn't that such a beautiful word? Swan. <laughs> and I always thought, I always thought, I was like, yeah, it is. Yeah, nice word. And Good I just, word, man. <laughs> I think he just liked hearing himself on the microphone, but like it was really, I was thinking about that, but he, he kind of gussied it up, but he was like, Schwan, Schwan. Yeah. He, he likes the bird. The bird gives, does a lot of the weight there or does a lot of the heavy lifting for how cool the word is. Yeah, that's true. I think I like the word like for insult. I like the word coward because mm-hmm. it's funny and it's like a strong word. You we know? went to high school with the kid who, uh, he tried to say meow. <laughs> but it came out hmew. <laughs> like hmew, kitty, hmew. <laughs> That's kind of fun. <laughs> I was. <laughs> That's pretty good. <laughs> How did you know he was trying to save me out? Because <laughs> he's going, hmew, kitty, hmew. <laughs> That's so weird. <laughs> yeah. That's a fun sounding word. <laughs> That might be my new favorite. There was a kid in our class who the teacher was like, all right, guys, I know you I know you guys get made fun of, you know, in other classes or whatever. She's like, in this class, 
You guys can be whatever you want to be. And one guy turned into a cat and he went under the table. <laughs> and she kept trying to get him and he just kept going. <laughs> That's pretty sweet. I like that guy already. Yeah. Nick. Nick Solik. Nick Solik. <laughs> he doesn't listen. <laughs> it's fine. He mew. He mew. kitty. <laughs> okay. No. So, okay. So how do you, like you said, when you explain it to people that it's an SFW. No. <laughs> when you Not safe for work. Is that yeah. <laughs> no, when you explain to people, like it does take a long time to explain it. Like, I don't even know where I can buy it. Do you have a fast way to tell people how to buy it? Like when you're trying to mm-hmm. pitch yeah, it or sell it? The movie's website, lotawanamovie.com, there's just a big thing at the top. And there's a separate page called NFTs. Like there's a banner at the top that just says buy like first movie to be sold is NFTs. <laughs> Click here to purchase. Like it'll take you right to the page. But that isn't gonna do you much if you don't have your whole blockchain wallet set up, blah, right. blah, blah. It's just and I just it's kind I, of an ordeal. I'm not gonna purchase something online, honestly. I, I you know <laughs> I, I don't trust it. I don't know how to do that. <laughs> so yeah but do you have an education thing or are you worried about that or are enough people into it that they can find it or are you thinking about how to educate people on how to set their thing up well that's the thing is like i'm not trying to hustle it to like everyone i know and like it's just an ordeal like so i'm not really focused on like trying to educate people on how to set this up and like buy something from me especially like if all of this turns out to not go well, I don't want like people that I love, like spending money on it and losing money. So that's why we're really focusing it towards the, the, the world of where people actually know what this stuff is and what it's worth. So like, uh, like my mom isn't really going to care that this is the first NFT. She doesn't even know what that means. There's no value in it to her, but like some guy that, like operates in the blockchain and follows Elon Musk and is like up to date with all this stuff, he'll know exactly what it's worth. And those are really the people we're trying to focus right yeah. now too. Okay. I think that's a good, cause it would take so much energy and effort and money and time. Oh, it took me like a hell on earth, like week, like to get it all set up. So what's it going for? What's, what's it, what are we selling it for? Yeah. Do you so, have a rate? What? You have a fixed price for it? Mm-hmm. Oh, so, okay. Okay. I didn't know that. So we just, we just kind of made up a number that we thought would be a good place to start. So we are selling a, a thousand shares of the movie as a thousand NFTs. So you buy one NFT, you get a share of the movie and there's a thousand of them. We're selling each one of those for a thousand bucks. We just pulled that out of thin air because we thought that was like a like for what NFTs are really going for, like historical NFTs and big stuff, this is chump change, but uh-huh. it's also, we're also putting the shares to our movie up. So we didn't want it to list for like a dollar, you know? So we yeah. kind of like found a middle ground. And if we sell every one of the NFT shares, we're going to make a decent profit on the movie. Like that's more than we spent on the movie easily. And then we also are listing our world premiere, which is cool. So not only are we listing the movie, but we're listing our world premiere. So the movie hasn't played anywhere publicly yet ever. And typically you would do this in a film festival Uh or somewhere in a city in a theater. But we also threw our world premiere on there. And so those are a hundred bucks and there's a thousand of those. So of the people that buy the world premiere tokens, 
then they will be the first people of all time to watch the first movie ever be sold yeah. as an NFT. So that'll be like a new style of premiere to where like people can tune in from all over the world instead of just being localized to a city. And then as of today, we did some more entry level stuff where I took a bunch of still frames, some like cool looking shots from the movie uh-huh. and listed 20 freeze frame NFTs along with all of the other stuff. And I put them at $5 a piece and there's only one of each one. So there's some sort of like scarcity value there. Like if like there's kind of one more iconic image that we use for like some branding and stuff. And I put that as like the first one and that one already sold, uh, which is cool. But like, uh, since there's only one of each frame and there's only one person that can buy each frame, then technically, or we're hoping that there might be some value in those one day. That's kind of more how traditional NFTs work. We're reinventing the game with the way we're doing our movies. So yeah, you skipped a step because you skipped ahead a step. You leaped forward a step because, of course, you'd sell the movie NFT or whatever you know. But the premiere thing is like that's like being a band who sells your album, but then really makes the money from the concert. Right, right, yeah. So that's that's cool. That's very forward thinking. But uh, let me tell you the next thing you guys can do. You make a movie and you sell each frame in FT and you make the internet figure out how to put it together. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. You cracked it. <laughs> what, are they, what are they edited it like total shit? Like, no, why would you think that? No. <laughs> Well, that's awesome, man. I'm, I'm really excited. I really want to follow up and keep in touch and everything. That's It's exciting. Thanks, man. We When's actually, the world premiere? Uh, we just kind of figured we'd release a date. Once we kind of sell a significant amount of those world premiere tickets okay. uh, or tokens, we're going to kind of release it all at the same time and probably do some sort of virtual thing. Um, we And I know I, I talk a lot of like goofy shit on it, but we actually are like pretty stoked about this and we think it's going to be something like i know i kind of say it's like made up and make believe which it still is but like uh i i we do think it is going to turn into something like yeah. and maybe if it's not overnight like if this nft space is around for a long time there's some value in it and uh yeah once people get on board i think it'll turn into something we might not make a ton of money or whatever but i think they'll there's always going to be there we'll always have that title of being the first one which is yeah. funny and like, you know, a lot of people said that all the same stuff they're saying about this, they said about, you know, Bitcoin, the printing, press. Like the printing press and like Martin Luther stuck with it. <laughs> he stuck with he it. became a king. He became a king at some point. And, you know, <laughs> a lot of people made fun of me when I bought a bunch of Chuck E. Cheese tokens, but they don't lose value. <laughs> I can go right back in there. They do, all I want. they do lose the metal off of them and it's, you can breathe <laughs> it and it's hazardous, but no, I think it's, you're doing anything great. You like, you're doing anything really smart. I've learned a lot from listening to this podcast myself. Nothing useful that you can take into your actual life. <laughs> no, I, I, I like, we've really been debating this and discussing this. And like, I think you kind of really got at some of the things that people are saying, like, it's about owning a piece of art from the creator. That's really what it's about. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of silly stuff in between and all that, but that's what it's about. So yeah, of course, someone can pirate the movie just like they can any movie, but or someone can make another G- copy of the GIF or take a screenshot or whatever, but it's more of a like the value between you owning a piece of your creators. Well, now it sounds yeah. like a God thing, but... 
No, absolutely. It's, it, that's a 100% what it is. And what's cool about it is you're purchasing it directly from the artist too. So you're supporting the artist in owning that. So if you're stoked about someone's work, their music or whatever, and you buy their NFT from them, like that's just money going straight to the artist. Yeah. And what's, I guess this is the last kind of behind the scenes bit. That's really cool. That's why it's kind of changing the game. Uh, is it's kind of a sustainable income path for artists because with NFTs, you can set them up in such a way that you make a commission on it for whatever you, whatever percentage you want. I think the industry standard is 10%. So that's just what we did. So mm-hmm. if somebody buys one of your NFTs, every time that NFT changes hands forever, you get 10% of the resale, the artist, the original oh, wow. minting artist does. So that's crazy. You, right. And so that's why artists are stoked about this because yeah. they're like, wow, I can really like just skip out, not even take like if I'm a musician. I'm not even going to go do a label or do this Spotify thing. I'm going to go like pump up my NFT crowd and then just yeah. sell stuff this way. Cause then as people trade stuff, you, you get 10% of the income. That's incredible. I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so like, it's like, if your art gains more value, you get that value. Exactly. Exactly. Cool. So if someone ever sold like a thousand, like, I mean, people can do the math themselves, but if like someone bought an NFT of ours and then resold it for a thousand bucks, we get a hundred bucks just from that yeah. sell. That's awesome. That'd be like if the kid who I gave all my He-Man stuff to, when he sold it in the garage sale, I'd get a cut. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I was like, I gave it to you as a present and you sold it. Daryl, Daryl, son of a bitch. I want it back. Okay. Thank you so much for, I'm not going to ask any more stupid questions. <laughs> I'm gonna, cause I've been enjoying them though. I know, but we had to like really learn tonight. This is a big deal. It's a big <laughs> deal for you. And well, being local filmmaker, we're like, I'm just, I can't wait. I'm so excited to see how well it goes and, I don't know how I'm going to see the movie, but I'm going to find a kid and pay him to show me. Oh, we're going to release it for real this fall and this winter. So no matter what, no matter what happens with the whole NFT thing, we actually are going to release the movie this year. And we're pretty stoked about it too. It's ready to see the world. We'll probably do the whole, we're actually, if we make some money doing this NFT thing, we might just release it for free. Like Vimeo, uh, Vimeo and YouTube, just like maybe, pioneer that path and see if we can't get some notoriety that way or we might do the whole itunes thing might try a subscription thing like hulu or netflix or whatever we'll just see what our options are but it'll be released to the everybody yeah okay so do the the people buying the nft care about that if you release it wide just tell them that or do you have to so that's the thing is if we sell a lot of shares of the movie like if we sell over half the shares of the movie and everyone gets a vote then technically whatever the majority vote is, is what the decision is. So, uh, yeah, so we'll see. And, and yeah, who knows, but we are going to release it somehow this year. I mean, it's like, it's like a Kickstarter in a way. Cause you have that, you know, kind of fund the project and then once it's out there, other people can buy it, you know, but you guys were the first, you know, it's like you're saying you really care about the artist or you care about the project or the movie. So you put your, your money in to support it. Yeah, absolutely. I'm all for it now. I'm all for it now. You talked me into it. Thanks, man. I hope the movie's good at the very least, or I hope it's at least halfway decent. I'm stoked about it, but I'm biased. 
No, it's the best NFT movie so far. <laughs> there you go. No, I'm sure it's great, man. I mean, just, you know, not to make you feel weird, but just like following your work and stuff, you're incredibly talented. I'm, you know, I'm sure. Oh, it's thanks, man. Film. I appreciate that. I and I'm excited to work with you again sometime. Absolutely. Let's go make so much money on this. <laughs> Let's go shoot some more flamingos at the zoo. They actually went, well, they went back to the zoo this year and I was so excited to go, but I got COVID. I got COVID twice. And so the, Did you? Yes. Yeah. Do you get different strains or the same thing twice? I don't know. I don't know. The first one was easy. The second one was rough. But then I got the, um, the first shot or whatever because they were like I was like I got it twice and they're like oh, you're a danger to society <laughs> <laughs> wow I didn't even know that was possible I was like I think I gave it to my neighbor's dog they're like get in here I went to <laughs> but no that was a I'm gonna cut that part out but uh <laughs> no hey again thank you for being on and thank you for walking us through this and good luck I'm gonna check back in with you could we be back on to tell us how Dude. it went anytime man i had a blast and you're always fun to talk to you crack me up hey you're fun to talk to all right it's about time for your evening milk gallon (laughs) yeah about time for some chugging (laughs) all right trevor thank you so much and everyone figure out how to watch (laughs) figure it out go go